0: Okay. Three minutes. Good work. Way to press in. I hope you made some progress. And if you're new to this this practice we're doing of trying to memorize the Beatitudes or memorize scripture, even if you're not following Jesus, you're like, what is this? It's good brain health work. And ultimately, it is good for our heart to get these words deep in us. So well done. Good job on using that time. I want to take us back to the hinge beatitude that we're focusing on today, which is that blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, Um, because that is going to really hold our text together. So we are moving now from Matthew 5, though, into chapter 6. So if you are following along in your own Bible on your phone, or you want to grab one from the back, we will have text on the screen, but we're going to jump into chapter six together. So keeping that beatitude in mind, chapter six, verse one starts like this. So Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Okay, so 6 1, this is actually a verse that is going to be the thesis for the rest of the 18 verses we're going to look at today. So, this is holding now the next set of sections in mind. And this, this, this. Caution, right, about our spiritual practices, practicing our righteousness, is gonna be aimed at three particular spiritual practices that were both practiced and encouraged for um, the religious people of that time, but also before them and also for us. And those three practices are the practices of giving, particularly giving to the poor, secondly, praying, and thirdly, fasting. Okay, so this verse is going to set up these three distinct sections on those kinds of spiritual practices and the cautions on how to hold those. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and read the text for us, and then we're going to kind of work through those three things a little bit together. So you see the first verse, we're going to continue in verse 2. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, You know, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites in the synagogues do and on the streets to be honored by others. But truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret." then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, that's on giving. The next section's on prayer. Continues, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father, who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your your father knows what you need before you even ask him. This then instead, this is how you should pray. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you your sins. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's prayer. Third section is on fasting, okay? Jesus says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Wash your face so it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Our text for today... So I wanna go back, let's go back to the text and talk about the giving a little bit. Let's talk through each of these just a little bit. Now, first of all, it's really important to remember that even though these challenges are coming, that it is right and good to give to the poor, to pray and fast, right? That's not in question here. Instead, it's how one does that. And it's why we do it, right? That's what exposes our hearts and the purity of our heart. You know, so in this story, you know, he talks about, like, don't give blowing the trumpets. They pr- it's probably using some hyperbole. They weren't actually entering with a trumpet, like, you know, um, fanfare as they went to give their check, right? That wasn't happening. But you get the idea. It's this, like, self-aggrandizing, self-congratulatory um, posture. And I was thinking, when I was first learning about giving as a child, we were still passing offering plates, right? And I remember we would pull aside 10% of our allowance and put it in a savings envelope and a giving envelope. And the Sundays that the plate came by and I only had coins to give, I would kind of like try to drop them in softly so no one would hear them. But I tell you what, if I was given a $5 bill, I was like, that thing is gonna be open and right on top, baby, because I need my siblings to see how generous I'm being, and I want my mom and dad, you know. I was like, that thing's gonna show. And I was a kid, right? But there is some of that that can be a temptation, right? And so much of our giving is actually, it's digital now, right? That it actually, there's some benefit in that, But it means we've had to get a little creative to be seen in our giving or draw attention to it when we're struggling with our desire to want to be seen in our generosity. Uh, And it's so interesting because this practice of giving alms that was so important in the life of the Jewish people and was really actually unique in the ancient world um, that Greeks and Romans did not have a strong concept of charity, and there were not strong social support or safety networks. And so it really was the people of God who would give gifts that the synagogue would then distribute to those in need. And one of the beautiful things about the church, the synagogue, um, gathering and redistributing was it also preserved some of the privacy and dignity of those who were in a time of great need right rather than drawing attention to themselves in this act of giving directly to someone who needed their charity right so it also preserved the dignity of the recipient and jesus again uses this kind of hyperbolic image right like don't even let one hand know what the other is doing well you know that it's not actually possible right you know what you're doing but you get the idea right that we would be so kind of Pure in our motivations and intent that we wouldn't need. It could could be as if we didn't even know that we were giving. That's the challenge. And then look at this text on prayer. We have a little bit more here on the spiritual practice of prayer. And this one's a little harder for me, I'm going to confess. Uh, But it's interesting, again, we start with this exhortation and reminder that the religious people love to pray standing out publicly. Now, standing prayer would have been a common practice in the Jewish religious life, so it's not the standing so much, but it seems like there was a way that they were drawing undue attention to their holy prayers, right, in the community. Um, And the exhortation is to go and actually find a room that you can even close a door in. And in homes of this time, there actually, doors weren't on every room like we have them. Probably one of the only rooms in a home that would even have a door would be maybe your storeroom where food and supplies were gathered and, you know, a door was needed to keep animals out. And so it's like, just go into the most private place in your home and it's there. No one will see you, but God sees. Right? That's the invitation. Now, as a person who I've been in vocational ministry since I graduated from college, my whole career has been in college, campus ministry, vocational ministry, and this is a struggle, I think, because we also have a value, and really all of us, right, we want to to disciple others, we want to help people learn how to grow in spiritual practice, so I think a lot about setting an example, right, some people just need to watch and learn how to pray, Um, And that is actually good. This is not saying you can never pray publicly. We pray publicly and in community rightly all the time. But it is that heart check piece, right? And this is where I feel it. Uh, Even prepping this talk this week, I had a moment, I was on a, a national, a call with national leaders, and we were dreaming and thinking about what we um, want our national staff conference for University to look like over a year from now, January 2024. So we were thinking out and we were doing some listening prayer. And I remember, um, this is a call of a lot of national leaders I highly respect. Um, And we went to listening prayer and I remember thinking, oh Jesus, I hope I hear something really good. And I was like, ooh. Like, I just had this moment where I was like, "Um, I don't think that's coming from a spot where I'm like, I really want the group to hear from you. And we, you know, I want it to have a revelation together. I could tell my heart was like, I want that colleague to go, oh, Kathy, she's so spiritual. Oh, Kathy's so in touch with the Holy Spirit. So much authority. And I was like, Ouch. I was so convicted. I remember being like, oh, Lord, I'm going to listen, but I will not speak. And I just repented most of the time, honestly. And I was like, wow, where did that come from? Like, I've been doing this a long time. Is that really? But it just, it's right there, I think, sometimes under the surface, right? And it can just kind of rear its head see me, affirm me. And Jesus, in the midst of that caution, does this beautiful and generous thing where he says, actually, let me teach you how to pray. And he gives us what we've come to call the Lord's Prayer. We often, weekly, right, pray this as it's given from Jesus. But really, the heart of this prayer was Jesus wanted to teach us a way of praying. This is really, think of it as like, it's a formula, it's a format, it's a, it's a vehicle to guide our prayers. Let me teach you some things about prayer, Jesus says. And look at some things that he teaches us. First, he says, pray, our Father in heaven. Remember, we're a we. We're a community. We're an hour. And it's our Father in heaven. We're people who are the children of God. We're in the family of God. But our God is in heaven, holy. And we are not. God is holy and we are not. Therefore, it would make sense that we pray, your will be done. Your kingdom come, right? That just makes sense. And sure enough, Jesus said, it is right to ask, give us what we need give us daily bread and they would have thought of manna in the desert coming every day just in time just enough give us that daily bread and he says as you receive and you remember the holiness of God confess your sins remember you are a people who need the mercy of God forgive us our sins Jesus says pray and as a people who are forgiven much we forgive others and Jesus seems to want to emphasize this point because after that section of teaching prayer, Jesus says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive, and you know, we can read this sometimes and it can feel like a quid pro quo, but the heart of it is, if you are a people unwilling to ask for forgiveness and receive it, how could you possibly receive it from God, right? If you will not acknowledge and receive the grace you need, if you will not forgive others, how can your heart, how can your heart receive that grace from God? Prayer. Where is our heart in prayer? And lastly, we have this text about fasting. All right, so um, in this text, right, it's so interesting. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they likely would have fasted at least two days a week. And we don't know exactly what the text means it's, that says they disfigure their faces, but clearly they are letting it be known that it is their day. There is not a mystery here. Um, I am told I was a dramatic child at times. Um, I do have some memories of maybe not getting something I wanted right away and potentially showing my displeasure by rolling around on the floor in public, often. Um, but you kind of know, like, you, even as an adult, I'm like, my hangry days, I do not always hide it that well. Um, but this would be like an intentional choice, right, to make it known. And I thought about, you know, like... This is so human though, isn't it? Don't, they, don't we want credit for what we do? I mean, think about school, Like, why would I do something if I'm not getting credit for it? It just is illogical. Um, anyone when they're growing up do May Day practice, like, May, where you would like bring a candy basket or a flower to someone's door and then you'd like ring the doorbell and run away? This was a thing, I, I don't know. Um, but I remember as a child being like, okay, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna ring the doorbell, but I'm going to strategically linger until the inside door opens, and then I'm going to run. Because I want it to look like I want it to be secret, but let's not kid, I want that neighbor to know that this is the good kid who did it. Right? I mean, come on. Now, we get really good at being strategic about our spirituality, right? We drop it into a sentence, like, in passing, it gets embedded in a casual post. Oh, what's that in the background of the picture I posted? But my open Bible with all of my beautiful like, journaling? What? <laughs> I want to be seen. You might have noticed in all these texts there's some repetition. Um, and that gives us some clues here. One of the repetitions in each of those three sections is um, that they're compared, they're challenged to not do something like the hypocrites do. Did you catch that? Every time, hypocrites. Okay, so the word hypocrite, it comes from this Greek word, Hippocrates, and it's the word for actor or stage performer, right? Um, And I talked, I love the theater. There's this thing in theater, and even as teachers, where when you're on stage, whether you're speaking or performing, we're often instructed that you need to find the light. So maybe you're in a room where there's a spotlight that you're not quite in the right spot, or, or your blocking got off. And as an actor, you're taught to like find the light so you can be seen. Like that's part of what you're supposed to do. Um, so I think I've got we've got a preset here. I want to just demonstrate this a little bit, right? So um, I, if I was up here teaching, and this is the light setting. I'm in the dark, right? You can't see me. So I'm trained to go and find the light so I can be seen, right? And so you can connect with me, and we can have this experience together. Interestingly enough, it's actually quite hard to see you all when I'm in the light, right? But we find the light, right? And it's so interesting because the whole teaching of the Sermon on the Mount seems to be pressing some of these notions, and actually, it's, there's this inversion. There are things about our life that are broken, unrighteous, the places of darkness. And we actually are invited to come from hiding those things and bring them into light. Jesus wants to illuminate the places that we would naturally try to hide. I mean, Paul even writes, anything that comes into the light can then become a light, Right? So Jesus actually wants to take the things that we would be tempted to hide, bring them into light that they can be made new. But the things that we might be tempted to bring to light, our spiritual practices, our righteousness, righteousness. He says, "No, no, those. I want you to think about a little bit of hiding. I want you to think about not needing to be seen, but rather trusting that I see you, and I will reward you. Because when you come in the light, and it's all to be seen. Would everybody give me a round of applause, please? I need it from my heart. We have some applause, yes. And guess what? That applause, that's all I get. The text says, you, re- you received your reward in full. That's it. There's no more. But when we trust that God sees what we do even In secret, we receive reward. And that reward, the Beatitudes tell us, is that we'll actually see God himself all the more clearly. Bring the house lights up. So as we close today, I know some of us might feel again, like how does this even fit with what we heard a few weeks ago Where the text says in the same way, let your light shine before others, right? So that they may see your good deeds. You remember that text? Like how, is that a contradiction? What's going on? So again, it's not that we are invited to these good deeds, to these spiritual practices. But you remember how that verse ends? It says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? It matters if we do things to be seen and glorified ourselves. And we long to have hearts that are pure, that the things that shine as a reflection of the true light of God would bring glory and honor to the Father. God sees what is done in secret, friends. He sees it all. He sees the good, he sees the bad. He sees the righteous, he sees the wicked. There are no secrets from our God. Trust that your hidden righteousness will be seen and rewarded and bring into the light the hidden unrighteousness. God's unseen. God himself is unseen and the unseen will be glorified. So it seems appropriate that our response this morning would be, first of all, certainly to do some honest reflection about the state of our heart, our motivations as it comes to our spiritual life, particularly the practices such as giving and praying and fasting. So we do want to reflect on our motivations. Remember that pure heart, there's no hypocrisy or guile or hidden motives, the pure heart is marked by this transparency and an uncompromising desire to please God in all things. Right? It's this integrity between our external and internal selves that we long for. So we're going to reflect on our motivations. Secondly, I want to challenge you to do something in secret that only God can see this week. Maybe it's an act of giving or prayer or fasting, but some spiritual practice or honoring work that no one will see but God. And then pay attention and notice do you see God more clearly, more fully in some way? So I'm going to have the worship team come up. And even as they come, let's begin to go to that space of just honest internal reflection. Lord, would you show us our heart state as it comes to our spiritual life? Do we want to be seen more than we want to see you? Do we want to be glorified by others more than that their glory would go to you? So let's enter into this time. We'll have a couple of songs and Lord, we ask that you would just expose our hearts, bring them into the light to be seen by you. And God, would you prompt us to ask for your mercy? Would you maybe inspire us and invite us into a secret act of obedience that only you would see this week? And would you help us to notice you more clearly as we walk through these days? Let's enter into a time of reflection and worship and then we'll close with a blessing at the end.